Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant centric. And this week is no different. Before we get on, though, to the episode in hand, um, the usual bit of admin for for regular listeners you'll have become accustomed to this in recent weeks um uh, it's me talking about the Green Gazelles Rugby Club. So on November the 27th this year, uh, the Green Gazelles Rugby Club, will, the, which is the world's first vegan rugby club, by the way, I almost forgot to, to mention, will be playing a charity match in aid of World Forest Organisation against Rosslyn Park in uh, the south of England, I believe west of London, um, for £15 a ticket. So that's £15 English pounds sterling. Um, you can buy tickets at Green Gazelles Rugby Club Kickoff will be at 7pm on the day. There will be lots of entertainment, music, uh, food, uh, lots of beverages, etc. And the the joyous thing about all of this is uh, it's all vegan and um, all in aid of uh, a good cause. So uh, if you would like to attend, uh, which we would very, very much appreciate, do head to greengazellesrugbyclub.com where you can find out more. Uh, worded in a far more eloquent way than I just have. And you can also pick up some tickets. They are selling at a rapid pace. So I suggest you jump on down there as soon as you finish listening to this episode, of course. Uh, So uh, on to this episode, episode 99, we're almost at the three figure mark. I can't believe it, really. Um, This started off on a little bit of a whim and (laughs) we're almost two years in. Um, It's uh, Joe Montez this week. Joe Montez is uh, based in California, uh, LA actually, to be specific. He is a a Mexican chef uh, who, under the tutelage of a wonderful chap, vegan chef, raw vegan chef called Chef Miguel, has learnt um, to to you will learn his trade really, I suppose, and and become exceptional in his field. He's he's really um, making a name for himself, making waves over there, over in LA. Uh, he's also uh, become a bit of a restaurant consultant as well. So he's uh, shipped into to many a restaurant uh, and really helped some folks out in veganising their current options or in some cases their entire their entire offering. So. Um, more power to him. Anyway, he is far better at telling his story than I, as you can tell. And so without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Joe Montes. Yes, Jim. Uh, so first off, I just want—I just want to say thank you uh, for having me on this podcast. Uh, it's My pleasure. <laughs> um, so what got me into um, veganism wasn't really so much the animals or the health; it was simply out of curiosity. Wow! Really? Mm-hmm. So that—that that all happened um, because when I just came off from the army, uh, when I got out back in 2016, I went to Texas. Um, to take care of my grandfather, because he was ill at the time. Um, okay. 
but I wanted to stay active. And uh, I was doing all the 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, triathlons, like you name it, every event, like I was there, you know. And uh, there was one event, it was on October 23rd of 2016. And uh, it was a triathlon, mind you. I didn't train for swimming, like at all, and I didn't have a bicycle. Uh, <laughs> so, Fair so, enough. Yeah, so I, I went to this bike shop and, you know, I was just, just talking to him and I was like, yeah, like, let's, uh, I, I'm planning to do a triathlon. Oh, I think they actually brought it up to me. I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I want to do it, but I don't have a bike. And they gave me like a three thousand dollar bike that i can just ride for this you know and i, I don't wow. have to pick it up like they, they came and dropped it off during the, the event and they were super nice super nice and the bike was like top notch maybe that's yeah. i don't know maybe that so that one i that event i actually ended up getting second place uh in my age category and uh yeah and then after you know i just started talking to other people and people were approaching me and I was already in the world of like health, health and wellness. And mm. this guy was just like, yeah, I garden. Like he was talking about himself. And then I was just like, oh, okay. And then towards the end, he was like, oh, I eat plants. And I was, and then, you know, I wanted to kind of like say something, but I knew deep down I couldn't say something. Um, mainly because I didn't know the, uh, like his aspect, like his side of the story. Right. Uh, because in order to argue effectively, you need to know both sides of uh, the argument to argue effectively. I only knew one side. So from there, I just I just went vegan overnight. <laughs> wow! But you so that there's so much in that story. I'm I'm fascinated. I, I love the idea of I'm going to sign up to a triathlon and I haven't got a bike and I don't <laughs> I don't swim much. So there's something about like the just the confidence. I'll, I'll just give it a go. I love that. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit. And I definitely want to unpack this bit about the 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 guy who said like I eat plants and you thinking hmm that sounds interesting. Um, but the the military. So tell me a little bit about that. Had you come across veganism before in the military at any point? At at, at any of your peers there ever <laughs> no. mentioned the word? No, I never. Like uh, I have never even heard of the word veganism. Uh, maybe vegetarian, because <laughs> yeah. everybody eats meat. Or if you don't eat meat, then you're vegetarian. You know, never vegan or anything. So the general perceived wisdom that you got in your sort of military kind of like, you know, your formative years in the military was the traditional health and fitness route. I imagine quite protein heavy diet, was it? A meat based protein at that? Yeah, like lean chicken and the fish and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> the quote unquote clean yes. eating that they would clean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um that yeah I, I only asked because a while back i had an interview with a guy called sergeant vegan i don't know if you've heard of him but he called, called himself sergeant vegan that's obviously not his real name but um, he um he was a sergeant in the u.s military for for years and was vegan and uh ended up you know that because he was like the only vegan there <laughs> ended up eating a lot of like cereal and you know like <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, at one point he said when he first joined, it was like cereal and orange juice were like the only options he could have. So he's putting orange juice on his on his cereal and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, he he definitely talked about this kind of like this, uh, you know, the the stereotypical kind of you know masculinity through eating lots of meat and that kind of you know that kind of vibe uh, being quite prevalent in the military. Was that kind of your experience too? Oh, of course, because uh, it's I was like combat arms. Right. So, so it's like right next in line with like infantry and like the closest thing you can get to like masculinity, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, the traditional sense. Yeah, crazy stuff. So, you, so you you're into your health and fitness post military. Uh, you, you get into this tri- triathlon. What what exactly did this guy say to you? I mean, he's uh, he must have been quite convincing to have made you think I'll give it a go, or was it just sure, purely out of like. Well, if I don't know that side of the argument, the only way I can find it out is by trying it. Exactly. It, um, I was just curious about it. And mainly because I was reflecting back, because before the military, I did a one year of college, um, which I didn't finish, by the way. But I did take a course. It was a philosophy, a philosophical class. And that's, you know, that's where I learned most of, like, how to argue effectively and you know I had to do papers and stuff so that kind of stuck with me all throughout and I guess that day I was just like you know what I'm gonna go vegan (laughs) was your gut telling you he was wrong though uh no I just really wanted to challenge him because I I wanted to see like his side um but first I wanted to do my uh my due diligence and do my homework first before doing that (laughs) amazing amazing and well, first of all, how did you even get started with that? Because that's that's one thing to hear hear a guy at a triathlon say, you should, you know, this is what I do. It's you know, it's a great way of living. But it's another thing, kind of putting it into practice. And especially if you're into your health and fitness, I imagine there was probably a little bit of trepidation in your mind around, you know, where am I going to get all my protein from, and what about my nutrients and my macros, and am I going to hit? Was all that kind of buzzing away in your mind? Uh, no, I, I kind of went into like survival mode. I didn't know what vegan even was. I thought I was going to be a rabbit and just like eat salads. Like, honestly, that's my first thought. (laughs) So, um, but I literally went online. I was like looking at everything that was like accidentally vegan or how to make things vegan from like, uh, like Taco Bell or... Burger King or you know just like restaurants around town um, that you can veganize and that's what yeah. I was eating for like six months or so okay so was your diet quite unhealthy at the, at the beginning would you say yeah. or yeah <laughs> yeah very unhealthy <laughs> <laughs> so generally kind of fast food and, and and you know the options that you could buy that were processed and accidentally vegan and those kind of things oreos and stuff yes 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 oreos <laughs> exactly and 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 at that point you know you again like you could have well said do you know what i'm i'm gonna quit this now because it's obviously not that healthy it's either a choice of you know you can only eat lettuce all day or you you have to live on oreos was there some research going on in the background that started to show you some healthier ways to live um, no, like it was, it was, uh, it was a traumatic experience that had happened that made me kind of make that switch. And okay. 
Yeah, well, you know how I told you my grandfather was sick? Uh, yeah. He was, like, he was getting more and more sick as, you know, time went on. And right. at the time, he had been in the, uh, like, we had, we had to send him to the hospital because he got so ill. And uh, in the hospital, he wasn't getting any circulation through his right leg, like, or his right foot, should I say. So right. doctors didn't know what to do. And their one thing was to like just amputate it right and this is like on a friday right no this is more like on the weekend because it happened super fast um and uh it happened maybe like on a tuesday wednesday um but then the next day the same thing was happening and he was in getting circulation like below his right knee. So they amputated his, like all the way up to his right knee, you know? And uh, next day, same thing. Um, so they just ended up amputating his whole right leg. Um, and then after that, they just, the doctors didn't know what to do. So they just literally sent him home to pass. And, uh, you know, by Sunday he was, you know, at my house, like, he just, you know, passed, and like uh, my whole family and, and me were just just crushed. Yeah, I can imagine what what, yeah, real tragedy, and so so quick. Like, did did you was he quite ill leading up to this point, or was this all quite a fast process? Yeah, it was like he was slowly like deteriorating as you know. Time went on and, you know, right. when he hit the hospital, that's, you know, he was on, he was in a tube uh, doing pills and just, you know. Wow. Yeah, they, they didn't know what to do with him, like I said, and send him home. And, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horrible experience. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And, and from there, did you, did, did you kind of, you know, was was this then a focus on like I, I need to think about you know my health, my future. How does it you know what does it look like for me? What what sort of spurred you on from there? Yeah. So while everything was going on, you know, um, I was so crushed and I was trying to hold back on the tears, um, mainly because my family was already crushed at the time, and I knew if they saw me break down. Like, they would lose it. Um, so I was kind of trying to stay strong, even though I was dying inside. Um, so I couldn't really show that side that much um, to my family. Um, so what I was going through was, was definitely a lot. Uh, however, in my mind, I was thinking of not only about me, about my family, about my grandfather. I was thinking more, like, how can I mitigate this so no one else will ever feel what I'm feeling right now that's what was going on in my mind like how can I do that and then what where, where did that lead you um so, yeah, so it was funny you asked because the day after we had buried him I got a phone call and well a phone call to start working because at the time I wasn't doing that well financially so I just was working from 3 in the morning to 10 p.m. every single day. And it was 
you know, I, I, I was starting to get money at the time, but I didn't have any uh, free time or any time to kind of like process everything, right? Um, but I did have a lot of time to like put my headphones in and like, cause I was working by myself, you know, just um, restocking at different, um, what's it called? Like uh, grocery stores. Yeah. So I had a lot of time for myself, you know, I had to be at one store, at two stores, three stores, and then just restock. But I had a lot of time to myself. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts and you know, a lot of vegan podcasts, business, like uh, self-help and, you know, a lot of, you know, just trying to move it forward, you know, because people would listen to music and basically your whole day is wasted. And mm -hmm. I was just listening and listening to podcasts. And then one day uh, I came across this chef. <laughs> His name is Chef Miguel yeah. uh, from Mexico. And I just started following him. And I was just like, wow, like, I, I want to do this. So I, uh, you know, since I had all this money, I was just like doing uh, research online to see which, uh, like, my fastest way to become a vegan chef. And I came across Matthew Kenny. Are you familiar with Matthew Kenny? I'm not, actually. He's like an American celebrity chef, and he's vegan, okay. and he has... He has a bunch of restaurants right now, um, but he at the time he had a uh, online school, and it was all vegan. You know, they they teach you cuts, um, plating, presentation techniques, and that's what I started. I started investing in that. You know. Wow, had you had you cooked much before? Were you, were you kind of into this before? It was it was Chef Miguel that was this original inspiration. Yeah, because he was talking about how, on the podcast, he was talking about how chefs nowadays are the new doctors. Fascinating. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I was just listening to his podcast and what he was saying and how, you know, even if you go to a vegan restaurant and how it's not even... Um, 100% vegan because um, they use like Teflon pans and you know he's just started going into like the science of like this whole like veganism as a whole and I was just like so mind blown um, but yeah that that's what really inspired me to just you know go head on and start this culinary dream <laughs> wow yeah. So uh, it's incredible so your whole your whole life turned on the on the point of listening to a podcast while while stacking shells, amazing, amazing. So, talk me through the, uh, the the learning process, going from scratch to where you're at now. You know, a very capable chef. You know, someone's making waves, so on and so forth. Obviously, there's probably some natural talent within there, but you you imagine you had to work incredibly hard to to learn your trade from from scratch. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. Uh, it, it was, it, it took a lot of work, honestly. And I'm still actively working um, to get to where I want and to be. Um, but it, so when I, uh, when I was listening to more and more about this Chef Miguel um, per person, character, chef, <laughs> um, I was following him. 
And at the time I had two jobs. I had a full-time and a part-time. And then one day he goes, oh, I'm gonna be in McAllen, which is like two, three hours from where I live. And I'm just like, oh, perfect. And so I just like jetted over there. <laughs> I only had like, at the time I only had one day free. And on my day off, I went straight to go see him. And uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy because I went, it was like, it was crazy. He doesn't even know about this. So I went to go see him. And out of 70 people, there was only one girl. Or uh, I was the only guy, sorry. <laughs> so out of 70 people in his, uh, in his class, 99.9 uh, .9 were all women. And I was the only guy. <laughs> wow. And... Uh, yeah, so we talked a little bit towards after, and I gave him a book, and I gave him a gift card, and, you know, he's, you know, he was like an actual human, you know, and I was so starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> he had asked me about my story and, like, what led me to where I am right now, and I had told him I, I want to work with him, like, for free, like, I'll pay him, like I had told him. <laughs> wow. And he's like, okay, like, next month. I'll be in Tulum. I'll see you there. And here's my WhatsApp. And I was just like, okay. I was like, one, I don't have WhatsApp. Two, I don't <laughs> have my passport. I'm like, but I'm there. That's incredible. Uh, so did you go? What yeah, next? I, I expedited my passport. I even got my pass card in like two weeks. And the event was four weeks. And I got WhatsApp. And yeah, I ended up going. Yeah, even in the midst of having two jobs, I still and still studying at the time. Uh, I just took off, and you know, <laughs> I just showed up to Cancun one day, and he was just like, "Oh, you're here. <laughs> I might work. <laughs> Come through." I was like, "Okay." Do you think he was expecting you to turn up, or do you think he kind of thought, "Ah, oh, he won't. He won't really come." Yeah, no, no, he told me that he didn't expect <laughs> me to go because, you know, he has a lot of people and a lot of, you know, guys that come up to him saying that they want to work for him. And, you know, it's all talk, but they don't really just they don't really show up. Wow. So 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 what happened next? He, you've turned up at his door. He's kind of like, oh, Hey Joe, I kind of wasn't expecting you to actually turn up. You've turned up. This is amazing. What what happened next? Yeah, so we ended up doing a um, our fur, or I I helped them out in the Tulum um, Veggie Fest or Vegan Fest, and it was in front of like a hundred, hundred fifty, almost two hundred people, and you know, I was on stage with him. I was just like so starstruck and. <laughs> Yeah, so it was like the event was super successful. I not only got to go to Tulum and like go to this event that it's like, you know, full of people, it's full of vegans, vegan celebrities, but I experienced it through a, uh, like a vegan celebrity himself, you know, cause I wasn't backstage with everybody, with all the celebrities. Um, like Tori Washington, Nimai, uh, Bianca, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah there's just so many more. Uh, yeah, I was just blown, about, blown away by this whole experience. And mind you, this is my first like 
you know, uh, event with Miguel, and I was just, I was just like, wow, like I feel like I should pay him, you know, <laughs> for this experience. <laughs> and what about the, the the kind of learning experience, like from a from a cooking point of view? How how do you feel your knowledge kind of accelerated once you started working with Chef Miguel? Oh man, like he was just putting on the pressure because, uh, like I said, I was working two jobs, a full time and a part time. I was also studying on my own, and the only time that I had to sleep was in transit, meaning in the planes, on the trains, in the buses, airports, um, bus stations. However, Miguel would send me the recipes or things that I need to learn before I get there. He would send it to me maybe like 24 hours before. So I had to study like in buses, in the trains, <laughs> you know, so I barely had time to sleep. So he was putting on all, all this pressure because as soon as I get there, I have to just execute and just do everything the way he wants it. and. Not only that, but also um, like talk to people, uh, talk to him, make sure everybody's like, excuse me, um, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, it, it, he put on a lot of pressure and I learned so much, um, like how to execute like an event uh, effectively and smoothly and you know, being happy and just being grateful for it all at the same time, you know? That's amazing. So, so he'd said, so, so I've got this right. He'd send you a recipe and because you, you know, you're working these jobs, you're trying to study, you're doing all this stuff. So I, I imagine you, did you actually get a chance to practice these recipes like in a kitchen or, or was this all like theoretical or did you, did you, were you kind of trying to just steal away as much time as you could get in a kitchen at home to try and figure out what it was he'd sent you? No, like I had no time to actually practice this, um, but I had to master them before I landed or even while I was doing it and then show other people like right away. I was just like, I was like, dang, this is, this is like, it's too much, but you know, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, like I'm here for the experience. Wow. So you're almost executing this recipe off the back of just reading <laughs> And, and trying to read it over and over again and understand exactly what it says. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Did that ever go wrong? <laughs> was there ever any times where you were at a festival or something with, with Chef Miguel and, you, and he, he was like, no, that's not right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, he would, he would obviously call it out and just like, because he would see it from like a mile away. And he really? would be like, okay, this is how you do it. And then if I needed training, he would like, stop what he's doing and like show me like even it was in front of people or like it didn't matter where we were he would just stop what he was doing and just show me and like that to me is just like huge huge respect you know yeah yeah the, the, just just thinking about some of the things that you mentioned there back then because i wanted to pick up on a couple of points you mentioned there that your your knowledge just of veganism generally of health wellness improved dramatically because of the likes of chef miguel and you mentioned Teflon, particularly. I'd love to hear some of these because I was, I was, I was checking out your Instagram, and you were, you know, you've got some, some pointers on some of these things in here. I'd, I'd love to hear a, a few of them because I'm not sure 
like I'm not sure they're common knowledge even in like the, the the sort of the vegan community, which is often kind of crosses over with health and so on and so forth. Not always, of course, but but sometimes. So it, yeah, just be good from your perspective to hear some of the things that you learned from it, yeah. uh, and and in general. I've learned. <laughs> Oh, of course. Uh, well, I learned so much through him just, you know, by being around him and him actually saying this to people and seeing him that, like, on his downtime, he would actually sit there and, like, read on studies, on superfoods and X, Y, and Z. Um, but some of the things, like you were saying, um, like Teflon, uh, they have, like, heavy metals and they, they tend to wear off. So when you're cooking and you actually scratch the pan and you see some of the, you don't see it lifting like when you're cooking, but you see some of the scratches like afterwards or the next time that you cook. Um, but those uh, heavy metals are very dangerous to our, or detrimental to our health. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when we don't even know it, but it's affecting us and affecting like our brain and how we think and how we do things, how we, how we even, how we think, how we say, how we communicate, how we do everything, you know? And, you know, we're kind of just blinded by that. Um, uh, that that's only one, you know? Um, there's several others, you know, like, cause he goes a lot in, he's like a raw vegan chef and he's mm. like 80, 20. Like 80% raw, 20% cooked, yeah. you know, and, you know, I learned so much through that and how living food is actually healing and how like deep frying is not good for us, you know, because it has like no nutritional value and mm. um, microwaving things. <laughs> yeah, you, I, saw, I read the bit about microwaving. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so it it just um, it distorts the nutrients and basically just kills them like mm. like completely, you know, because it has um, like the uh, the waves, like the what is it called? Radiation. Yeah, radiation. There you go. Mm. So just that gets into your food and you're eating it and you're consuming it and you know it's it's like they say, you know, you are what you eat. I was going to say, did, did you did you and have you now adopted this kind of eighty twenty raw diet? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yes. So what does that what does that look like? Like a typical sort of day. Talk talk us through. Well, I I do like intermittent fasting, and for the most okay. part, like I only eat um, like one like cooked meal a day, and I usually generally fast or I snack throughout. So basically, like water in the morning, uh, smoothie in the morning. And then I usually don't eat until like noon or 1 p.m. with like a snack. And mm. like it's not until like 5, 6 uh, p.m. that I eat like an actual dinner. Right. And then after that, it's just like I either just fast or I just drink water or I just eat fruits, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, I've spoken to a couple of people in this sort of space who are who who kind of you know generally speaking stick to this kind of eighty twenty raw vegan rule and and intermittent fast and so on and so forth, and something sort of always strikes me that I'd like to get your view on, which is like you know and and I've again this is off the back of a few conversations I've had with other people about you know the how food sort of. Um, 
how it means so much to us as a society you know it means a lot to us emotionally it's got these kind of deep rooted emotive connections uh, to you know times when we were a kid and we went and got ice cream with our you know with our uncle or you know these kind of things and um I don't know there's there's always a part of me that and it's maybe just me trying to excuse myself from from eating healthily but there's always a part of me that's like you know what's the what's the cost to our sort of enjoyment in life you know like if we, we can sustain ourselves for longer and we can live longer lives and so on but is there a do you find that there's a balance between that and kind of like being social with friends and family and you know partaking in events and so on and so forth like do you find it kind of ever gets in the way of that this kind of style of eating oh uh, of course you know and like uh that like my day usually depends on like how i eat it also depends Mm -hmm. on like what i'm doing so yeah. if I'm traveling, uh, for example, I usually don't eat breakfast. Um, but if I do, it'll be like when I'm traveling or I'm going somewhere long distance where I know that there's not going to be any food for a little bit, right. then I would eat something more substantial. Um, and for like events and stuff, I mean, uh, I don't go to a party that I know. Like, I, I mean, if I get invited to a party, I'm just going to bring food. That's just, <laughs> yeah, this is just fair. naturally, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Many I tr- vegans can relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, and I do, and I do eat a little bit beforehand, um, just in case they don't have anything vegan. Um, yeah. but I'm not gonna, you know, bring food and then not share with everybody, you know, yeah. and just eat it all myself. So that's why I eat a little <laughs> bit before I bring food and then like for them to enjoy as well. So. And I guess that one of the things that you've learned through Chef Miguel and one of the things that you've kind of like built upon in terms of your knowledge is making this kind of 80-20 split raw food, raw vegan incredibly ta- incredible tasting too, right? So t- tell us a little bit about that, like the, the, the kind of recipe development, the kind of things that go into it. Because I think when you say the word raw vegan, I think many people sort of, their their vision is just purely you know whole foods plant you know whole foods and just eating you know fruit as it is <laughs> you know but they buy it from their local market they eat it, they eat the apples that's it kind of thing they don't think about there being you know almost I, I think many people would think well where's the where does the chef come in so yeah, it'd be good to sort of understand you know where does the chef come in in raw <laughs> vegan food yeah, well, I mean, there's, I mean, you can still do a lot of things, um, like with, with raw veganism, uh, like cooking, because you can, you know, for example, you can sous vide. Uh, are you familiar okay. with sous vide? Tell us. So, so sous vide is like you basically vacuum seal, um, mm-hmm. whatever it is. You can cut up uh, watermelon, uh, marinated, or you can cut up uh, portobellos and marinate them cucumbers you you name it you know you, anything um and then you just vacuum seal it where there's no air inside and it's just the marinade or the sauce or the salt or anything mm. and you sous vide it sous vide is just you it's cooking under uh hot water a controlled hot water bath um yeah. so it doesn't go above the temperature that you want it right um or you can you know you do that or you can also um dehydrate you can make your own cheeses you can make your own crackers your own powders uh wow 
Yeah, yeah, you can freeze dry as well. Um, but to have a freeze dried machine is like tens of thousands <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> there's there's two things that kind of jump out for me here. One is this is an incredibly creative sort of art form of cooking. If you like, you've got it's not just. I mean, being a chef is is a is an incredibly creative pursuit in the first place. But then to add in this stipulation of trying to be eighty twenty raw uh and vegan is is it adds an extra dimension i imagine to your creativity uh, and the second part uh, again i'd love to get your view on both of these things about the first of all this creative process and and secondly the some of the the processes you've described there almost uh almost make me think of like you know understanding the food on a almost a scientific level i don't know if that's fair to say so yeah it'd be, it'd be good to get your view on that kind of this this amalgamation of like create the, the creative arts if you like and uh, and sort of science almost that you apply yeah no i mean it, it all starts with the technique you know it's just understanding different techniques and um the understanding food as well you know because some foods are hardier than others you know um, for example a potato doesn't cook the same way as a watermelon does because you know mm. it's much more dense you know and it's just understanding all that. Um, I learned through Miguel, uh, through working, and also through a lot of cookbooks. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. And, and has it been like a creative outlet for you? Do you feel like it's something that's unlocked a, a creativity in you that, I don't know if it was there before, but, mm-hmm. you know, it certainly is there now? Yes. Uh, but at, at first, it wasn't as creative. Um because in order to break the rules, you need to understand and understand the rules first before breaking them. Um, but I'm still in the process of learning the rules because <laughs> I'm, I'm not all there yet. But however, uh, I will one day, and you know, God, uh, I, God, I love that. Yeah, God first, you know. <laughs> Without is without trying to sound too pretentious it it sort of uh reminds me of like uh jazz musicians or like incredible or like you know picasso like incredible painters you know they almost need to know the absolute fundamentals of their instrument they need to be able to play the piece as it's written in yes. order to then you know break the rules like you say and in order to sort of you know go into different directions and be creative with it they need to understand that first Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating sort of hearing it from a chef's perspective. I've not necessarily thought about it from that point of view, but I think you're absolutely right. It, it, it makes sense. You've got to learn the rules and then you can then you can break them. That sounds like something that you've you've had drilled into you from uh, Chef Miguel. Yes, yes, obviously. <laughs> from from day from day one actually. Absolutely. I love it. Well, so moving forward now. So you, you, you're obviously still very much, like you say, in this learning process. You've taken on this incredible kind of journey uh, of like, you know, changing career. Th- think, I'm thinking like your military career, then going through all these kind of different jobs, these tra- this tragic, you know, experience in your life leading you into this conversation at a triathlon. And the, the, whole, the whole piece is just an incredible, incredible story. And so... Like you said, when you had this, you know, this, this tragedy with your your grandfather, and then you you taking on veganism and and going down this route of being a chef, your your kind of aim back then, as you said, was kind of you wanted to give back. You didn't want people to go through this experience um, that you went through, 
and and I understand you're kind of working on a a project to help restaurants and help them become become vegan or at least offer better vegan options. T- tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, so this project is just to help out, you know, vegan bis- businesses or non-vegan businesses to implement vegan uh, menus. Um, but it, it goes much more, uh, much more deeper than that, you know. Um, because for me, you know, I, I tend to, uh, like a perfectionist almost, you know, I know what right looks like. And I'm not just going to go in and just walk in like I own the place or um, and just start implementing things. You know, I, what I do first is I first, you know, introduce myself to everybody, dishwashers, like everybody, you know, um, and then start seeing how they operate and see how they can work efficiently so everybody's happier. The front, the managers, the, the workers, like line cooks, dishwashers, servers, and most importantly, the owners. Because if everybody's happy, you know, who doesn't want to be in an environment that everyone's happy and everyone's thriving? Um, so it's more so just like implementing systems for them that is completely tailored to them and just helping them out, you know, because I want to see these mom and pop shops, restaurants thrive because as we saw in the pandemic, you know, uh, mom and pop were closing left and right and even big chains were cho- um, were closing down. Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, nothing bad to say about the big chains, but I mean, I have my own thoughts about it, but I yeah. prefer the mom and pop. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine that's where you feel like you're making the most difference, you know, where it affects somebody's real, it affects their family, it's their, their livelihood, it means something to them. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, you've had some, I imagine you've, you've, you've been out, spoken to some restaurants, been in these kind of situations. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, you mentioned about what the kind of the structure of like a, your, your support looks like. But is there some, you know, was there some examples of you going into some restaurants and offering help? What's the process like? Do they, do they tend to contact you? Do you have you reached out to them? It's, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I go out sometimes and sometimes they reach out to me and, you know, I just have to listen to them and see what they need, you know. And if I can do my job effectively, like it's, it's just... It means so much to me because not only does it translate in your staff, it translates into your food, which then translates to your customers, which then will come back because they had an awesome experience. And, you know, it's just generating more revenue for them in the long run. Do you typically get people kind of reaching out, restaurant owners reaching out to you wanting to put a vegan menu on? Or is it, does it tend to be vegan restaurants who are looking for some support and, and, and some transformation? Yeah, no, it's, it's sometimes it's it's a little bit of both because not all the time it's vegan. It's mm. more in the sense of a place that wants to implement vegan uh, menus. 
And so, uh, so what's what's the experience level like that you've encountered in terms of vegan food? Is there a lot of like education that you've had to do in order to help people understand what it is in the first place and how oh. to cater for vegans? Oh, of course. You know, it's it's a whole like process. You know, because I mean, if they're open minded by even content like reaching out to me, it to me it means the world. You know, because then I can then. Um, share my wisdom with them and you know I, I don't say a lot I just say a little bit just to kind of like light that uh, match for them but I let them do it you know yeah yeah amazing what kind of um, what kind of things do you end up getting involved in is it more like the the recipe creation the t- kind of functional and technical kind of stuff or, or is it you know more the uh, the, the bigger picture kind of vision of, of the restaurant and so on? It will, I always see the bigger picture in the long run. Like, uh, and I try to... Uh, well, I, I always hear out what the restaurant owner needs and wants and what he envisions. And I, you know, it all leads kind of to like the same tunnel, like the same end goal, you know, which is yeah. the bigger picture. That's what I see. I see the bigger picture. So... I have to, you know, just because I know the end goal doesn't mean, like, I know everything else, you know, or, like, how to get there. You know, yeah. each restaurant is different, you know, because maybe they want to do, like, A, B, C, Z, Y, X, and then, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, restaurants, it's, uh, restaurants are, every restaurant is different, and every, everybody's different, the staff is different, you know, people are different, and you have to just show them like you actually have to stop and stop what you're doing even if it's busy and then go down and show them and train them properly you know kind of going back to what chef miguel taught me it's an amazing impact i think you you know you're you're no doubt having on your your sort of community and beyond and um and uh you know just incredible to hear somebody sort of spreading such a passion for incredible vegan food and showing people how to how to do it as well so you know more power to you just just a question for you if you if you sort of were speaking to your former self back in the military was there ever a time where you thought you'd end up where you are now yeah i would never thought that i would be doing this (laughs) (laughs) i knew i didn't want to continue in law enforcement or anything of that of that matter um I never, like, cooking never came across my mind, like, ever. It's amazing, Joe, how far you've come. It really is incredible stuff. And and and, and all the best to you. If, um, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, where would they go about uh, doing that? Uh, they can reach out right now uh, through Instagram, uh, at Joe Montes underscore excellent or i'll make sure i put a link in the show notes for folks as well so any hopefully any prospective vegan businesses listening to this or even some folks who are kind of vegan curious uh restaurant owners looking for some some support i'd I'd thoroughly recommend they reach out to you joe like the experience that you've amassed and your understanding of how teams work and health and fitness as well as as well as you're underpinning that with uh amazing vegan nutrition like clearly clearly you're the right man for the job so uh i I thoroughly recommend it thanks so much for your time joe it's been a pleasure chatting to you and uh all the best with things hey 
Of course. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you again so much for having me. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. Speak soon, Joe. Thank you.